0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org.
1: So we talked about um, morality and ethics. First of all, we just named that in the Eightfold Path, it's right speech, right action, and right livelihood. But uh, it was pointed out that it concerns our connections with other people. And um, one idea is that if we're practicing ethics, will cause the least amount of suffering or no suffering to ourselves and to other people. And um, if we do things that are wrong um, ethically with other people, it would bother you. You wouldn't be able to practice or concentrate. So it's, that's one reason ethics is um, important, to purify your own heart and mind so that you can settle and actually do the practice. Um, Someone pointed out that it's a feedback loop in which you do something externally, then go in and reflect internally, um, and watch how it in, how that sits with you, and watch then how that influences your behavior externally, um, and that it's a way to examine your intentions for action. So um, that actually could include actions of meditating and concentrating and wisdom. So that's why seal is important. And if, if I missed anything that my group thought was important, please add.
0: Great. Thank you, Liz. Now, um, who would like to represent uh, Samadhi, meditation, and some rational why That's the best place to start a path of practice.
2: So I'm I'm the Samadhi smokes- spokesperson. And um, we came up with a, f- a few things that kind of interrelate. So I... I hope I won't repeat myself too much, but uh, kind of at a top level, we felt that um, meditation is the kind of game-changing element in this path. It's what allows you to really go below a surface-level understanding, below the level of behavior, and really penetrate to the point of uh, what the Buddha was teaching. It's kind of essential. It's the unique part. And so that really needs to be included right up front. And it allows you, in particular, to see very clearly how your mind is working. And so it will help you to correct all that behavior. It will help you to have the understanding. Uh, You can't go as far in the others without the meditation component. And in addition, um, it's something that is different from our regular way of living. And so people often say, oh, I I can't meditate. Or they, they sit down and realize how crazy their mind is. And... That's kind of where you need to start, is to see that what's going on is not the, um, in the usual life, can be different. So you learn in your very first few meditation sessions, even if they're not calm, that something is unique here, something is special here, and that provides the confidence that there is something real here, and you'll continue to walk the path. So we feel that in all from all sides, this is really the essential part. <laughs>
0: I'm convinced. Well, wow, that was great, Kim. <laughs> and Panya, who wants to say why wisdom and insight? Why is that the best place to start a path of practice? Who's the spokesperson for the Panya?
3: Well, I guess I could be, unless Bill has something better to offer. <laughs> <laughs> um, There it is. Is that on? I think so. Um, well, what little I've been able to hold on to is that um, the right view, in my view, is, is a framework, um, the understanding, like the lenses I, I look at the world with um, or don't use to look at the world with. Um, and. Or is that me? No, oh, that is better. Yeah. Um, but I'm really lost on the right words on how to say more about it than that whether it's like a, from a victim viewpoint or from a negative attitude or you know this is all wrong this is all right but, but more of a you know this is the way it is and it's not one or the other
0: so it's in, um, important to start with Panya because that affects your world view is this right and then your world view affects everything
3: else exactly that's what I'm trying to get to
0: great great Thank you all. So um, I wanted to do this exercise just to kind of validate um, maybe our experience. Maybe all of us didn't start in one particular place and go to the beginning as there. But um, in these gradual trainings, uh, discovery of truth that we're going to explore today, they do go in a particular order and they go in the same order. Sila, Samadhi, Panya. So... um, I'm going to talk a little bit more about the context now. I'm going to to um, shift to the specifics of these suttas. In Manjama 20, um, actually let me say this, that one reason why I think it's helpful to talk about the context is we can imagine if somebody, um, just like in the quote that I said earlier about wanting to go to Rajagaha, there could be somebody who comes to a particular person here and says, I want to go to the retreat center. Well, first we'd want to say, is it IRC, the retreat center down in Santa Cruz, or is it Spirit Rock, the one up in Marin, right? These are two different directions. As well as we'd want to know, um, is this somebody who lives in the Bay Area and really has been living here for a long time? And if they did want to go to IRC, we could just say, oh, 280 South, 85, 17, take that Mount Hermon exit, the first right in Glen Canyon, you're there. Or, right, if it's somebody who doesn't really know the Bay Area or doesn't really know, we'd say, well, you take, go down here two blocks, make sure that you stop, look to the left, look to the right, make a left hand, turn onto Whipple, head uh, west for a while and then turn right on Alameda until you get up to 280. And we could give a lot of detail about how we go there. So the context in which these paths are taught, it helps to know that so we can get a feeling of is, this, um, is the Buddha in these cases talking to somebody he expects knows a lot or um, somebody who doesn't really know, may not be familiar. As well as we can um, discern what is the motivation for telling the path. If you don't want somebody to go say, oh, it's really far and complicated and it's kind of dangerous. I mean seventeen is windy and the traffic is so bad as opposed to it's so nice to drive on two eighty wide lanes fast. Seventeen is beautiful through the redwood mountains, right? So I'm all describing the same place but in really different ways depending on who's asking and depending on kind of what my motivation is what I want to do. So if with that as a background I'm going to give a little bit of a context with um, these suttas. And maybe I'll say this one last thing too. Um, I use Google Maps, probably many of us do as a way to um, get somewhere. And sometimes I... Um, zoomed out where I just see the main thoroughfares and sometimes I'm zoomed in where it's really amazing, right? That you can see each individual street and even like the buildings on the street. So in the same way, some of these paths in the Majima are at a different zoom level, like kind of like Google Maps. And maybe even certain parts of the path is at different <coughs> zoom levels. Maybe some is given a lot of detail and maybe some is giving zero detail. So, I just kind of want to um, hold that, or introduce that as an idea of a way to hold these path descriptions. Okay, so let's start with... Um, the um, Majama 27, Chulatipadupama, padupama. it's... <laughs> I think that's how it is. <clears throat> Okay, so the Brahmin Janusoni is in the middle of the day. You can imagine the middle of the day in India. It's hot, right? And he's going out with his white chariot with his white horses. Right. This is thousands of years ago. Pavement has not been invented yet. So to have a white chariot with white horses is something that's noteworthy. Right. That it takes a lot of time and effort to maintain them. So what do we know about Brahman Janusoni? Janusoni is a um, what's called the purohito. He's like the chaplain. He's like the uh, the chief chaplain. They use that as a translation. It's not necessarily the best one. He's like the prime minister. For the king, that you know, there wasn't there wasn't a separation between church and state there. So he was. And what is a Brahmin? At this time in ancient India, we could roughly say that there are two types of religious people: the Brahmins, which was um, which later grew into Hinduism, is the um, the religious tradition that was earlier than the Buddha. So when the Buddha was born, this was what was predominant, primarily. And they believed that the three Vedas, this was their sacred literature, was authoritative. This was the truth. It was seen by the rishis, the seers, countless eons before, I don't know, eons, thousands of years before. And their job was to maintain this truth. What needed to be known has already been known. By these seers in the past, and so Brahmin's job was those who were Brahmins were to maintain it. And they, um, as part of their practice, was, um, did ritual sacrifice, including lots of animal sacrifices. And during these sacrifices, they um, chanted mantras. They did a lot of chanting, right? So that's part of the memorization. So that's kind of Brahmins. In contrast to them are the Samanas, which are often um, translated as recluse or ascetic. And if we consider that the Brahmins were mainstream religion, the Samanas, the ascetics, are more like the hippies. They're kind of the dropouts. The people that are said no, thank you. And they are doing their own thing. um, and they're not necessarily all united. There's a a collection of them. Some of them are ascetics. We know in the um, life story of the Buddha, he did a period of asceticism. So he would, and those five ascetics hung out, these would have been the Samanas. Um, In the Kalama Sutta, there's this story of the people of Kalama are confused because all these philosophers keep on coming through and saying, here's what the truth is. These would have been Samanas as well. So, there's kind of just in general, we can say these two types of people. So, getting back to um, the beginning of Majma 27, the elephant's footprint simile, the Brahmin Janusoni goes out in his white chariot, and he sees a wanderer, somebody who's like an ascetic, one of these individuals, in the distance, and he asks him, his name is Palotika Vachayana. Palutika, what are you doing? From where are you coming in the middle of the day? It's hot, right? Most people we can imagine are napping. And actually in the next sutta we talk about, we will hear about somebody who naps in the middle of the day. So we know that it's a little bit unusual. And Palutika Vachayana replies, I've just come from seeing the recluse Gotama. So that's how they refer to the Buddha. They don't call him the Buddha. They call him this recluse. His family name probably is Gotama. And John Osoni uh, responds, what do you think of the recluse Gotama's lucidity of wisdom? He is wise, is he not? Lucidity of wisdom, we could also say clarity of wisdom. So here is the main Brahmin, the most senior Brahmin, asking somebody else, what do you think about this Buddha person? And uh, Palotika Vachayana re- re- um, replies, Sir, who am I? to know the Recluse Gotama's lucidity of wisdom. One would surely have to be his equal to know his lucidity of wisdom. Right? That in order to know somebody's degree of awakening or insight, you need to have your own degree of awakening, is what Politica is saying. John Osoni responds, um, you praise the Recluse Gotama with high praise Indeed. Palutka responds, who am I to praise the recluse Gautama? The recluse Gotama is praised by the praised as best among gods and humans. So here Palutka is referring to that other senior Brahmins, even the king has um, praised recluse Gotama. So then um, Janasoni asks him, what reason do you have that you have such confidence in the recluse Gotama. Why is this person, he's not a Buddhist monk, and yet he's um, saying, saying all these great things about the Buddha. And then Palotika gives a simile. This is a little bit unusual in the suttas. Usually it's the Buddha who's giving similes. Probably many of us have heard similes, stories, analogies, metaphors. But here Palotika gives one. Not surprising, you would guess by the title of this uh, sutta, it's the simile of the elephant's footprint, but the Plotka has his own version. Suppose, Suppose a wise elephant woodsman were to enter an elephant wood, and were to see in the elephant wood a big elephant's footprint, long in extent and broad across. So at this time, ancient India, maybe even today. I mean, elephants are revered. They're very important creatures in their culture. They, um, the kings ride on an elephant, or you know, elephants go into battle. Maybe they even help with um, agriculture. And this was a particular um, vocation for somebody to track elephants. And elephants that lived in the woods are called elephant woods. And somebody who tracked them is an elephant woodsman. So this is somebody who is skilled in finding these elephants. So if somebody, if an elephant woodsman saw a footprint, he would come to the conclusion, indeed, this is a big bull elephant. Right? I mean, elephant footprint is, you know, they're probably like this big, right? It's not um, easy to miss. So the Palochka goes, so too, when I saw four footprints of the recluse Gotama. I came to the conclusion, the Blessed One is fully enlightened, the Dhamma is well-proclaimed by the Blessed One, and the Sangha is practicing the good way. And Janasoni not surprisingly, asks, well, what are these four footprints that you're talking about? If To make this simile work, you have to tell me, what are these? So Palutaka says, And here, I'm going to interrupt a little bit and talk about... At this time, there was a culture of debates. So I said that there's these samanas and the brahmanas, the recluse ascetics and the brahmins, And they would have um, debates... They were debate halls that were created for this, and the Buddhist literature captures this, the Upanishads, kind of the Brahmin literature captures this, and the Jain literature, that's also current at the time, and the Buddha captures this. So we know this is prevalent, and is happening a lot. And they have this um, general characteristic, not too different than from how debates are done today. There's two people... We learn of the um, characteristics, the qualifications of one, and we hear the qualifications of the second one. Then the interlocutor asks a question of the first one. So there isn't like a third MC. There's like the in the Buddhist literature, it's usually somebody asks a question of the Buddha, and then the Buddha responds. And he, in his response, he may ask further questions. And until um, how a debate is won is if somebody cannot answer a question. And then the loser of the debate usually becomes a student of the winner. So it's high stakes. And to make the stakes even more interesting, for the Brahmins, some of them, this is how they earned their living. This was their livelihood. There would be like a big tournament, there'd be big debates, right? This is before TV, newspaper, radio, everything, right? This is the entertainment. There'd be big debates with a Brahmin and a recluse, or maybe between different recluses, maybe between different Brahmins, and then whoever would lose, sometimes the king would sponsor it and he would give money to the winner, or, if not that case, then the loser would become students. So, I give that as a background so we can understand how Politica answers this question, what are these four footprints that you're talking about? So Polotica says to John Osoni, Sir, I have seen certain learned nobles, that, that is like the aristocrats, who are clever, knowledgeable about the doctrines of others, and sharp as hair-splitting marksmen, They wander about, as it were, demolishing the views of others with their sharp wits. When they hear the recluse Gotama will visit such and such a place, they formulate a question. We will go to the recluse Gotama and ask him this question. If he is asked like this, he will answer like this, and we will refute his doctrine in this way. So they have a plan, they're going to go and debate with him, and they're going to set a trap, they're going to ask him a particular question, and when he um, answers a certain way, they're going to um, make him lose. So, sure enough, they go to see the recluse gotama, and the recluse gotama instructs, urges, rouses, and encourages them with the talk on the Dhamma, after they have been instructed, roused, encouraged with a talk on the Dhamma, they forget about the debate. They do not even ask him the question, and how can they refute his doctrine? In fact, they become his disciples. So, Palotika is saying, I've seen these learned people go to the Buddha and become his disciples. And it turns out the first footprint is not only is it the aristocrats, the second footprint, it's the Brahmins, these other um, religious tradition. The third footprint is uh, learned uh, householders. So people maybe who have seen lots of them. And the fourth footprint are other ascetics. But the fourth footprint is even interesting because not only do they um, not debate the Buddha... They become his followers, ordain, follow his path of practice, and become arhats. So based on what has happened, other people have done, Palottika has this faith and this confidence in um, the Buddha. When Janasoni hears this, remember Janasoni is the most senior Brahmin in the kingdom, gets off his horse. Arranges his robes in a very particular way, turns towards where he believes the Buddha is, and bows and says, Honor to the Blessed One, accomplished and fully enlightened. He says this three times. So this is, for me, is very interesting, that here's two individuals, Palottika, who he himself hasn't actually interacted for the Buddha, for all we know, and Janusoni, for all we know, he hasn't either. They're basing their confidence on what others have said about the Buddha. So Janusoni, after he pays homage to the Buddha, says, Oh, may that someday I may talk to the Buddha. Of course you know what happens next is he talks to the Buddha and the Buddha gives him, I'll explain, the Buddha redoes the simile of the elephant's footprint and gives the gradual training. But maybe now it's time for a little break. So uh, (laughs) we'll take a break now for um, 15 minutes, I'll ring the bell.